Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, I am having a conversation with Mukul Diora, a modern-day Renaissance man and serial entrepreneur, yeah, obviously. Thank you. And today, we're going to have a free-flowing conversation about three topics. First, life. It's a very meaty, heavy topic. And how should you think about your objectives in life? Second, we'll talk about entrepreneurship. You have been successful in a lot of different disciplines across you know, many different industries. So we'll talk about that. And then third, the rise of the white tiger. And for people who don't know, Wuka was a producer on the white tiger. That's how we connected. And I think that's the, the theme that's tying all of this together in terms of life, entrepreneurship, and the third aspect in terms of the rise of the white tiger and opportunity. I'd love to discuss that. So just to jump right in, Mukul, um, I thought we could start by talking about life and what does it mean to live a life well lived? And I know you've lived a very interesting life. How have you guided your own life or how have you set the objectives for your life? Sure. Today's episode is sponsored by Data.ai to access estimates for rankings, downloads, revenue, usage, or engagement for millions of apps on the App Store and Google Play. Sign up for Data.ai. To talk about life, I mean, especially in the context of, I guess, the white tiger is a good way to um, start this. Um, and as you know, the, the book and the movie, A Central Conceit, is about uh, the rooster coop. Um, for some, uh, so, uh, the rooster coop, as in a um, um, a cage that that we are trapped in. For a lot of people, like Balram in the movie, yes. the cage is is real. It's it's like it's it's solid. It's four walls. But for for most of us, you know, who'll be watching this, it's it's in our minds actually. Um, so I guess giving that as a context, we could say that maybe a life well lived is uh, one where you are. Um, it's tempting to say that you've broken out of your cage, but you know, as you know, that <laughs> there's so many cages, you know, and 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 as the minute you reach somewhere, you've got to go somewhere else, and that's the nature of, of the human mind. So I would say that you're continuously testing the limits and the boundaries of of your cage slash your uh, consciousness. Right. I think that's what you know maybe is a life well lived. I actually think about it kind of from two perspectives. I'd love to get your take on my interpretation of a life well lived. But the first way that I think about it is basically in the context of a famous quote from Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs had once said that the most, so he, he was in like, I think this was when he was working at Next and he was in the lunch break room and, he's, and he asked the people in the lunch break room, who is the most powerful person in the world? And they're like, I don't know. And he's like, it's the storyteller. Mm -hmm. The storyteller is the most powerful person in the world. And so from that perspective, I kind of think that living a life well-lived is living a interesting story, right? And to some degree, it's like facing, and, and a story typically comes in three acts, right? And so for if, if you are able to experience a life with challenges and overcoming those challenges and having interesting things happen in your life, for me, that is one way that I interpret living a life well-lived. And the second way that I think about that is in the context of the white tiger. And to your point on the rooster coop, 
I feel like there is an aspect of living your life in which you're able to achieve your full potential, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I feel like the ability to uh, do something meaningful and break out of your set of limitations is another way of thinking about um, living a life well-lived. I mean, Steve Jobs is full of great quotes. Yeah. Um, and I love that, you know, Bob Dylan was one of his idols as he is one of mine. And uh, so many quotes come to mind, you know, like Bob Dylan's quote, he not busy being born, is busy dying, is beautiful. But um, yes, storytelling is very important in everyone. And Apple has been amazing at telling a story and everybody must have seen Steve Jobs' presentation. Uh, you know, the one they did for Apple and, you know, all the different ones, the, the defined ones and all that stuff. Um, but I guess it starts with the story that you um, tell yourself every day because we are storytellers to the world, but actually the the real story that we have to work on is the one we tell ourselves when we get up every morning and we encamp it in our heads throughout the day. And it's a mantra that we don't know about, our subconscious mantra that that actually shapes the world around us. Um, So that would be more of a recipe for change maybe in a way, but yeah, I think, I think that's the starting point of, of any life well lived is like, what is the story going on in your head due to your circumstances, uh, uh, the way you were brought up, your family situation, you know, your financial situation. These are all, I think, uh, massive influences on us as we, you know, grow, grow up and, you know, embark on (laughs) what is called a career which often doesn't make any sense. Uh, but when you look back, you kind of try to see some thread in it, but there may not be any thread. Yeah, so like kind of the way that I think about the rooster coop is in two parts. So the first is it limits human potential. So having access to opportunity, being able to fully realize what a human being is capable of becoming. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is like finding your truth like being able to kind of being limited, not just based upon your potential, but fully like trying to understand what you actually want from life. And in that context, I think a lot of people are confused. I was confused. So I, there was a part, there there was a time in my life where I thought, well, the objective of my life is just to have kids, make money and then die. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I actually. Makes sense. (laughs) I, I read this essay from uh, Clayton Christensen, uh, who, who wrote this essay, How Will You Measure Your Life? Mm-hmm. And after reading that essay, you know, one of the things he talks about is, you know, when you're on your deathbed and looking back on your life, you know, what will, how will you value your life? How will you um, measure that you have lived a good life? And in that context, I'm like, well, I want to actually try to do something meaningful. So I think different people have different truths. It might be, Um, based upon the career that you want? Do you want to just make a lot of money? Do you want to live a life of meaning? But for different people, it could be different things and people have different choices. But I'm not sure if if people have really deeply reflected and know what they want out of their life and are going towards that goal or are they just kind of living life like you're you're on a a treadmill and you're just like waiting until you die? Or you're just 
you're in a race. You're, I, I like to think of uh, one of my friends used to go to the races and, and, and bet, and he was a bit of a philosopher and we used to talk about it. And our discussion was, are you riding your own horse or are you just a jockey on someone yes, else's horse? Exactly. On a horse that your father or your mother right. or, or what you've seen in the movies that yes. has created for you. Um, I mean, I guess the answer to that is, you. Uh, it, it sounds very uh, preachy to say, but you have to spend a lot of time. I, I mean, doing, I think, is very important. For me personally, um, I learn by doing. So, yeah. um, and I think what I've seen is that um, keep doing. The beauty today, because of technology, is that you can you can do so much today. You know, when, when, when I was younger, things were very boxed in and constrained. But today, you have you have many options and you can do... Um, smaller versions of things. You don't really have to, as uh, you know, bet bet the farm on it. You know, you bet the tractor on it, and uh, try different things. If you find something interesting, get an internship there, or talk to people who you think are, you know, have done something in in an area that you that you like very much. So I think uh, a large part is discovery because you don't just. Uh, I think we're all we all especially when you're going to college and everything, people are like, okay, now what do I do? It's like this decision yeah. that I have to take. And and there's this, it's kind of linked to this, uh, I think this illusion of the permanence of some some goal or some place that you have to go. I think that's just how we all are. We all think that there's somewhere that we have to reach. And and that's it doesn't seem to be the right way to think because there isn't, it's, it's, it's really the journey, not not where you have to reach. So how do you, keep you know learning along the way by trying different things and doing different things and it's only then that you really know do you like doing something that you thought was amazing or is the goal that you have in your head realistic or not are you good at it or not um is there a marketplace uh you know i think these three things are very important together there's something that you're passionate about there's something that you're good at doing uh, you have to have you know some very solid skills, and the third is is someone going to pay you for for that sure. and and you have no idea of knowing that um, until you try different things along the way right and maybe to close the loop on this topic in in this area of, of discussion, I want to ask you so Mukul, you've done a lot of interesting things in your life from music to some, business. some, would, some would disagree. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I'm wearing this hat. Yes, I, I, just noticed, I just noticed that. Nice one. <laughs> uh, I should have worn a t-shirt like that. <laughs> um, I've got camouflage on, so it's kind of... So for you, if, if you were to go through that exercise, okay, so like you're, let's say you're, you're at the end of your life looking back, what would, how would you value your life? And I actually think you've done like just producing the movie The White Tiger. It's, it's, it's provided a lot of value for, life, for a lot of people. Thank like, you. There's been... Um, a lot of things that I've had to think about more deeply after watching that movie. But so I, you know, so for me, I'm a fan and I think you've done a lot of great things, but for you, when you value your life, what are the metrics or how do you, how would you evaluate your life and to consider that you have lived a life well lived? Actually, it's, it's pretty simple. If you're ready to meet your death, mm -hmm. you know, with equanimity and, I think that's that's where uh, that's what I would consider that I've lived my life well. Okay. If I'm if I'm if I'm truly at peace, dying. I think that would mean that the sum of everything, of all my experiences, 
has led me to understand that this is it. This is my time and, you know, hasta la vista, baby. Yeah. And can I, is this too personal There's a, there's to a bit of a Buddhist thing there, but yeah. <laughs> but can I ask, in, in, are you religious or? Uh, no, I'm not religious, um, but I, I meditate. I try to meditate every day. I, I try to follow some last 20, 30 years. I've been trying to do some spiritual practice or the other. Yeah. Okay. All which right. is where this comes from, actually. Uh, because in one of the practices that I follow, it's the, that's what they say, that if you if you keep doing it, you will... You know, you'll be at, you'll be fine with with your death. You won't have a problem with. You'll lose. You'll reduce your attachment to your physical self. I see. So I guess that would be a life well lived. Uh, ultimately, you know, you love your family. You love your material possessions. You worked hard for them. Um, you worked hard for fame, recognition. Um, what else is there? You know, relationships, fame, material possessions, health. But ultimately, it's all gone out. You know, it's bye-bye. Right. So if you can accept the true ephemeral nature of, of being, uh, and if you've learned to accept that, that's really a life well lived. Because on the other side, just to, just to be clear, if you haven't accepted that, then none of this matters on the day of your deathbed, which right. is what you're talking about. Because right. you'll be a frightened person, probably, if you haven't accepted that, that I'm ephemeral, you know, and right. I'm part of something else or whatever, you know, whatever religion or whatever you follow. But right. if you haven't accepted that, then actually nothing matters. Right. Whatever you've done in your life doesn't matter at that second. Right. If you're not at peace with, you know, your... Yeah. yeah. And maybe another way of framing what you're saying is to be at peace. Pretty serious there. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be at peace, it's almost like not living with regret. Would you say that? Yeah, similar? I mean, definitely that that could help it as well. Um, if you if you have regret, then you definitely haven't reached that point for okay. sure because it means you're living in the past, mm -hmm. um, and you haven't really, you know, got anywhere if you're living in the past. And and most of our problems come from um, taking the past and pulling it into the present and saying, what if the past things happened and what are they going to do to me now? How could I have made that better? As well as looking at the future and bringing that into the present as well and worrying about the future. So that's what is the opposite of being present is. Right. Um, but of course, and in the light of this conversation, as, um, as an entrepreneur, you have to study the past and to some level be able to you know, look in your crystal ball for the future. Right. Uh, otherwise, how are you going to build a business right. and make them Benjamins? Um, so there's there's a there's a business side and there's a personal side. But on a personal side, yeah, you you should really try to live in the present as much as you can. You know, which yeah. is much easier said than done. So just kind of shifting now to entrepreneurship, and you know, you've been very successful in terms of music. You had never produced a movie before, and you went. No, I produced one. I oh, produced, you did. You did. I produced okay, uh, uh, a Hindi language movie um, 15 years ago. Okay. So you did that, but then you went to Hollywood and produced something with Netflix, and you, know, you were successful in business, and now you're in high tech entrepreneurship. So, so maybe could you talk about 
uh, how you have been successful in some of these different disciplines. And it seems like there, there's, there's some kind of, there's something that you're doing in, in terms of whether it's some part of your personal character or some skills that you have that has allowed you to be successful in these different disciplines. And maybe you can speak about that or speak about your approach to attacking these different kinds of businesses. Okay, sure. Um, it's always interesting because, I mean, it is true. I mean, when, when people ask me, what, what do you do or what have you done? I just, I just smirk, you know, very often. And they, I don't know, they probably think I'm not a very nice person. I can't help it because I'm like, oh God, I have to tell them. Do I have to tell them everything or do I not have to tell them? Because that's really that's the truth of the, of the situation. Very often I just say, oh, I produced this movie a year ago. And they're like, oh, that's great, blah, blah, blah. And that's good. Yeah. And then they'll always ask me, what's the next thing you're doing? I'm like, well, not making any more movies. <laughs> so, and then I have to explain to them a little bit more about the whole right. thing. Just, um, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I, when I was younger... I knew that I wanted um, to be, I wanted to be free. That was a very important thing for me, actually. I, th I think that's why the White Tiger resonated with me so much. When I was young, I didn't know what I wanted to do. One part of me wanted to make music. One part of me liked, liked business and, you know, entrepreneurship. But, but I knew that I wanted to be free and money meant freedom for me. That was, that was very clear in my head. That if I, if I didn't earn money, I would not be free. I would not be free to travel around the world and, you know, do whatever I wanted to do, basically. Right. Um, and that was a very big motivating factor for me when I, when I was younger. Um, it made me study business management, not something I, I loved, but I, I, I kind of made myself do it um, to learn about, because uh, I was a bit of a dreamer as a kid, really. I used to read, I loved reading and, and, and science as well, but I was more of a dreamer. So to get into the practicalities of life and money, you know, as a means to understand as much as we can, what is money as a means of, you know, freedom. Yeah. And, 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 and some kind of, there is a value that it has in, sure. in terms of how you live your life on one level. So just understanding that uh, really required a lot of, a lot of hard work for me. Um, and, um, so I started, you know, various businesses. My my first job was with this company called Bertelsmann in Germany. I was uh, 22. Uh, I was the assistant to the CEO, and uh, I somehow managed to uh, convince them to to come to India to set up a, a business. Uh, and uh, and I had a joint venture with them. So I was like, I was 23, I think, and 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 I had a, I don't remember 26% joint venture with Bertelsmann to this 20 billion dollar conglomerate with a division of theirs. And I brought them to Mumbai, and we had a sales office. And, and I learned a lot about uh, manufacturing, you know, working with them uh, and with, with, with in Germany as well, where the headquarters was. I lived there for a year. Um, and that gave me the impetus to start my own packaging business, uh, um, which I did. Um, and again, it's a mix of being, I think an entrepreneur has to be somewhere, um, you know, he has to be a dreamer, he or she has to have to be dreamers or you know, foolhardy on some level, because if you're only, you know, cynical and you think you know everything, it's tough. I mean, you have to you have to take that leap somewhere, and uh, you know, you see a gap in some area and you just jump into it, and that's what I did. Um, and I, I took a loan and I bought this big machine, and 
a bunch of machines and it took a long time for the business to stabilize. Um, and while I was doing that, I still had this deep yearning uh, to make music as well. You know, it had to, I had to do it. I would die if I didn't do it. It was really, it was really like that. I, would, I used to look out of the window in my office at the, at the sunset and my heart used to sink and I used to be like, I used to say, have I sold my soul so cheaply? Because mm. now, now it's, firstly, there's so many books on self-help and, and, you know, and, and, and multiplicity and what you can do as a, you can be this and you can be that. But when I was young, you couldn't do anything. You had to do one thing. I mean, that was, nobody thought you can do anything really. So in my head, I was like, I want to be an artist, but I have to make money, but how do I do it? So I had a lot of angst for many years of my life because it was like, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do this? Do I do that? And I think that fueled my creative process a lot uh, with my music and my art. Um, yeah, I mean, success. I mean, yeah, they did. I'm very happy they did well. I, I enjoy doing it. I, I, I like to get into the details of what I do. I think that helps a lot in anything I do. Even as a film producer, I, I write scripts as well. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on set every day. I'm involved in every aspect of everything, really. Um, so, I, I think, I think that's very important for me, at least. Like anything I do, um, even with what I'm doing now in tech, uh, I like to get into the details of everything and, to some level, understanding everything that's happening. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, I know that I'm not interested in it. And, and then the ch you're just not geared for success. I mean, anyway, success is so hard. But if you're not going to be involved in the nitty gritty, right. uh, if you know, you were saying what you like, you were asking if, uh, if I had some, you know, strategies or mantras, I don't have anything like that, I don't think. But one thing definitely, I see so many people who aren't that detail oriented. And I think Nothing's going to happen if you're not detail-oriented because you have to know the nuts and bolts of, of what you're doing. And, and the same for, 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 for what we're building right now. You know, we've spent a year and a half, you know, looking at um, Web3, um, AR, VR, um, um, you know, last, last year and a half and, and, and didn't really feel that they were ready yet in any way. Um, and which is where we are right now, finding white space in, in social. Uh, I, think, I think also for me... Um, Community has always been a very interesting thing, how to connect to people, how to bring people together. We did that uh, in, the in the beginning with, with my music stuff, with film as well. Um, um, even in some of our real estate projects, we try to make it community-oriented as much as you can. Um, so I think that, that was a theme that, that, that played through for me. Uh, community uh, network effects, how, how to use them in the best way possible uh, and uh, minimizing a big theme in my life is uh, minimizing friction in, in everything I do in my everyday life, in every minute almost of my life. I try to minimize friction, make everything efficient and try to do that with the people around me who work with me as well. And I think that helps a lot uh, to get more things done, yeah. to be more focused. Um, these are just things that, 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 that there's a lot there that you mentioned. Maybe I could, for the purpose of our audience, and especially younger folks who might... I rambled a bit. Well, but let me try to... But I think there's a lot, a lot, <laughs> lot there that I, I think some, some people could take, take away from. So kind of going back, you mentioned that uh, you first started by learning specific skills that you thought you needed to be successful. So that notion of understanding required skills and putting in hard work. And you know, I, I think that was one thing that you mentioned. I think another thing you mentioned was... Um, being a dreamer or basically having big ambitions and to, for some people 
I think in going back to the White Tiger, that rooster coop of limiting people's opportunity or ambitions, where you at 23 were proposing a joint venture with a billion dollar corporation. So I, I think having that ambition and having like high goals for yourself, I think was the second thing that you mentioned. Um, another thing you mentioned was the note. And just, just to add to that, because yes, like you please. said, to explain for, for the younger people. Yeah. Um, and now I'm remembering everything. And, uh -huh. and I, unfortunately or fortunately, I didn't have any, I wasn't blessed to have any great mentors in my life who I knew. Okay. Um, so it was kind of lonely in a way if I had to look back, you know, it was me reading and thinking. That was, right. that was my life, really. Um, which is why I, I value community so much, I think. Okay. Um, and why I'm so excited to do this with you as well. Um, and I think what helped me was that you, you don't have to find someone. You, it can be books that you read, you know, read right. stuff. Uh, for me, music was a very big thing, you know, hearing quotes from different people, right. uh, break on through to the other side from the doors. I'm just saying, um, you know, various things like that really put me on my way to be like, okay, there's more to life than what I've been dealt. Right. Uh, I can... You know, I can do whatever I want, and it's through all these quotes and mantras, if you want, from, you know, sources that I've not made any of them, obviously, from music or film or... So find your inspiration from different places, I would say, because there is inspiration everywhere, and really use that to, uh, you know, to, to charge you up, basically, right. and, and make you crazy okay. enough to say, I'm going to try this shit, you know, I'm going to... I was 22 and I'm going to go to the, this division of Bertelsmann. This, they're all like 60-year-old Germans out there right. and say, hey, why don't we do this thing in India? And they were like, what's wrong with this kid? You know, right. I had long hair. And, you know, but okay. yeah, sometimes, so, sometimes it works. So hard work and acquiring required skills. Uh, second was high ambition and not limiting yourself. Third was deep thinking and reading research. Fourth, you mentioned just paying attention to all the details that are required for something to be successful. And then I think the last thing you had mentioned was more around, uh, well, the two, two other things you mentioned were around building a network and, and um, being able to talk to folks or something like that. Um, Did I say that? Maybe. Uh, you summarized yeah, it. You summarized I, I, it. I, 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 it makes it sound like I've written bit. a book on like, how to make yourself yeah. better. Wow. And, and then the sixth thing was trying yes. to minimize distractions and things like that, right? So, to trying to create an efficient uh, lifestyle or flow or, or work. Yeah, for yeah. All, all works in progress. Okay. All works in progress, yes. Right. Now, I want to. It makes me sound like some super efficient <laughs> genius. <laughs> I also um, want to bring up something. My that, parents would disagree, but yes. Right. So, so we we had lunch the other week, and one of the things that you mentioned to me, which which I held on to, because um, in the context of when you were telling me about going to Hollywood and talking to Netflix, was this quote from George Bernard Shaw, which was, if, uh, correct me if I got it right or wrong, but it was something like, um, "The reasonable man adapts to the world." Adapts himself to his surroundings, yeah. Okay, but the unreasonable man persists. Adapts his surroundings to himself. That's right, right. And, and so changes the world for, for himself. And I, I think... And therefore, all progress depends on, on the, unreasonable the unreasonable man. man right. And so could you talk about that part? And when you went to Hollywood and you said, I have this book, and how that part of being successful, right, which is like... I'm going to adapt the world to myself. I'm going to make this freaking movie and I'm just going to 
somehow achieve success with it. Maybe you could speak a little bit about that. I mean, it's true when you frame it in, I, I, that's interesting because <laughs> this is one of my favorite quotes, but somehow till now, till now, I didn't think of it strangely to the to the white tiger and me running around in america oh, okay but yeah because yeah, like when, when you that's mentioned right. it I, that's what i was thinking no that's very, but it's so true it's, okay. it's it's the quote in action you're right because for an for a producer who's made one movie 15 years ago so not even a producer sitting in india right saying that i want to do this thing i want to make a global film i want to get an american or you know european or whatever global director writer and i want to make a movie for the world Kind of unprecedented and insane, right. more than unprecedented. And even when you were the 23-year-old kid That's doing true. a joint venture, right? That, that, was, that was also crazy, all right? That right. was also crazy. That, I don't know if I knew the quote there, <laughs> but that was also, that, you're right, that was, that yeah. was insane. Um, that was a long time. I'll have to think about that. But for the White Tiger, it was just, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, okay, it's a mix of all the things that you so nicely summarized, which was that... Uh, the book had sold 4 million copies worldwide. A yeah. small part of that was in India. It was a Booker Prize winning book. So I knew that it had a global audience. Mm -hmm. I knew, uh, also, I, I've always tried to do things which resonate with, with human beings in general. So I, I've ne personally, I've never been constrained with a country ever. That's just how I am. Even with my music, I try to make a universal theme in everything I do because that's just how I am rather than specific to any country. And I wanted the same for the White Tiger as well. And uh, again, um, what I did with the White Tiger is I created a mantra for myself in my head, which, because you know, the process from getting the rights of a book to making a movie is years. It just takes forever. So you, you will get lost along the way. And there's so many pressures, financial pressures. Right. Uh, it was a big book, so, you know, actors wanted to be a part of it. Various directors wanted to be, you know, it costs a lot of money for the ride. So there's 50 things going on. Um, and how do you keep, what is your North Star in the whole thing? So the mantra that I created for myself was that um, the White Tiger is a universal story that happens to be set in India. Right. Very important words, you know, happens to be set in India. And that was my, my North Star, and that helped me because I was like, this is not an Indian story. It's a story about freedom. Right. It's a story that I want anyone in the world to understand that this is a story about freedom and, you know, the price of freedom for this man, yeah. uh, rather than about a driver from India and blah, 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 right. blah. Um, that, that really helped me, um, you know, build up the strength, if you want, and the, the insanity to say, I, I, I'm just going to find the best home for it, right. uh, which at the time was Netflix. And it took a lot of work. I was like that crazy guy running around Hollywood with this book, you know, like yeah. you, know, you can imagine. Um, but to find that home, to find the right partner, again, a lot of research came in uh, about, you know, what was the audience for the book? Um, a lot of gut feeling about what the book was about as well. Uh, um, a lot of research on whether, when, when, when we set it up with Netflix, it was, I don't remember, five years ago. They were very small in India at that point, and they were just starting to become massive. Right. And directors were working with them. Now it's a common thing. But five, seven years ago, every director wasn't working with them. Right. Uh, but a lot of research showed me that A, they had a very strong creative process. They're very good creative partners as well. Yeah. B, they would uh, be taking over distribution in a massive way, right. um, which helped me again on a more analytical level right. make the decision to go with them rather than to go with another studio which would be a theatrical release model uh, also i wanted i wanted uh, 
you know, at the time it was just me and this book. I didn't have Priyanka Chopra or anyone in it. It was it's just an idea basically. So I was like, how do I get this little thing of mine to everyone? Right. And it was Netflix that I saw was the way to do it through the pipes. I couldn't imagine the cinema because, you know, it hadn't taken a life of its own yet. So yeah, it's a mix of all those things that, and then you've just hustled, you know, and like try to meet people and, you know, and until you get the right person and um, yeah, a lot of hustle. <laughs> and maybe one thing I can ask you about, and, and, you know, this is kind of just a commentary from me as well, is that when it comes to younger people, one of the things that I see, and we, we've talked about being a dreamer, right? And I think there's, there's one kind of dreamer, which is like you, an unreasonable dreamer, but you have a specific vision and you had all of those attributes from entrepreneurship that allowed you to be successful and persist and then there are dreamers that I meet, a lot, a lot of young people who are like, I want to be the best in the world at X. I want to be a billionaire. But they don't do any work. And they're just like, I just want to dream. And so like, I'm, I'm wondering if you can comment a little bit about, because I'm, I'm worried about some of these younger folks who have these huge dreams, but not willing to put in the sacrifice to get there. And then maybe the second part that, I, I can ask you about is when you were in Hollywood, it couldn't have been easy. You were being unreasonable. Then how do you persist? And then how do you know if you're being a, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like an unreasonable dreamer that can actually achieve success or whether you're just a dreamer and not really. <laughs> that's, no, that's, a, that's a very, very good question because uh, when I was in exactly in that process, there was various points where, I could have got someone else to do it. I could have, you know, compromised on my dream and made it much easier. And right. it was tough at the time. You know, I was I was running out of money. It was, a, it, was a, it was very tough. I was very stressed at the time. Make no mistake. It was a tough situation. And my friends and my family used to ask me, you know, what are you doing? What are you wasting? Why are you, what the hell are you doing basically? Right. You know, what is wrong with you? Like, how is this going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember there was one producer who really wanted to do it and he was arm twisting us and this, that. And, and I just I just went into my core. It was like, what do you believe in? And and I've done that very often for my creative things as well. I think when you just go into yourself, it, it's happened to me when I've seen something bad happen to someone on the road. I saw some, you know, a fight, you know, some religious fight and I, it was in the middle of COVID and I, I had to jump out of the car and stop it. It's just like when you go into your core and you find a universal truth somehow, you just find the strength to say no. If I, if I can't do it this way, I mean, what's the point kind of thing? So I don't know what the answer to it. You just have to, uh, uh, I, it's tempting to say you just know it's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, you, you have some, over time, you develop a little bit of uh, an instinct, mm -hmm. an intuition that, that it's possible. Um, but yeah, at those points, I remember it was, very touch and go for months and a year or two where it's like what it's not the chances are very slim of it happening the way i want it to happen why don't i just compromise and do it in this way i guess i was being very unreasonable you're right i was being unreasonable um but i did believe in the book i believed we had an unbelievable book um and uh, that's what a good producer does a good producer gets behind the material you know you you have to believe you have to believe in what you're doing you know I, I, when i was making music when i had my 
my packaging business in what i'm doing now you have you have to the genesis of a project that you take up and as you as as time goes on you realize that any project you take up that's that's really worthwhile is going to take years it's not going to take one year or two it's going to take five to ten years of your life pretty much nothing happens in less than five years what happens in less than five years when you in the beginning it's like oh my god five years but when four years up you're like oh it's just happening so you realize that over time that you really have to you know be prepared to put in put in the time and 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 that gives you some perspective in the whole thing that you have to struggle and uh, you know nothing happens unless you really spend time on it basically right so it kind of sounds like you, while you were being sort of an unreasonable dreamer uh, you had high conviction in the vision of what you were doing and to a lot of the things that you talked about, about what allowed you to be successful before in entrepreneurship, you had that, that base, that infrastructure of skills, details, hard work, all that stuff that allowed you to succeed. So maybe for some of the younger folks in the audience, don't be a delusional dreamer with just a dream and nothing underneath it. Like I, I do hope that some people, if they're going to bet their lives on something that they actually do the work and, and those other things so that they can be successful even if they're being unreasonable yeah 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 you have to be unreasonable on i think anyone who takes the leap of um entrepreneurship is being unreasonable to some level sure. because you're like i'm not going to get a job i feel that there's a space whether i know it or not whether i've even thought about it in this clear way right. there's a white space and i see the opportunity it may not even it may be much more intuitive than that right. there's so much space for intuition you know in this whole thing um and it's nice if you can back the art of intuition if you want to call it that with the science of uh rigor and numbers so i think it's it's, it's a mix of both and and intuition is mostly built right. you know you don't very hard to get it straight away. So you you build it by learning and doing, um, making mistakes. Um, you know, time is such an interesting thing as well because when you're saying dreamers and, you know, it's good to be a dreamer, you know what I mean? So my first thing to any young person who happens to be hearing this would be, you know, don't stop yourself from dreaming because you have to dream to start. So it's good to dream and yeah yeah try to try to yeah balance it with some yeah some some reality <laughs> all right well just to um get to our third topic and, and kind of tie this all together i wanted to bring this back to what i would call the rise of the white tiger and what i mean by this Amen. um is the future of opportunity of india and you know you had mentioned that for you the white tiger is about freedom and the, and the price of freedom. You know, I view it as that, but for me, it, it speaks to me a little bit more as a movie about opportunity, about how there are potentially self-imposed limits on opportunity and how some people can achieve a lot more with their life. Like Baram has, you know, really become a math, like from, from where he started from and to where he got to, was like a massive unlocking of opportunity. And I, and I think that, you know, one of the quotes I really love from the movie was uh, something along the lines of, you know, you were looking for the key for years, but the door was always open. Right. And I, I think that we live in a world today where there are so many opportunities for people. They just need to go out and grab it. They just need to seize these opportunities and 
Um, so I wanted to ask you in terms of how you view this new world that we live in and also the opportunity for India. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who had never been to India and I'm like, well, I want to start a company in India. So it's it, well done. Man. <laughs> and so there, there's, I, I think there's a changing of the world of geopolitics, things like that. Like when you think about India and when you think just about opportunities for people in today and in, in the future, how do you think about it? First of all, it's amazing what you've done that you were like, okay, I'm sitting out here in, in, in the valley and, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come to India. Now, we, we picked our headquarters to be Bangalore. I've never been to Bangalore. So that's where it's going to and, be. And when did that happen? This was 2000. Uh, 20, October of 2020. Had you seen the movie or not? Because uh, you know I they talk the about later. Because it's so amazing. You have the same journey. Because you know they talk about Bangalore all the time. Right. You, you've seen that in the movie, right? right? Yeah, we yeah, must yeah. go to Bangalore. It's right. the future. It's the future. Bangalore right. is the future. <laughs> uh, so that's there. You go. You know that's interesting. You've come from here and you're doing it. Yes. You know one one of my uh, one of my most favorite quotes from from the movie The White Tiger in the book is that the future of the world lies with the uh, yellow-skinned man and the brown-skinned man, right. and not the white-skinned man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we loved it. We used to use it all the time in our interview process as well, because it's so, it's very politically incorrect, right. but it's a quote from a book, and it's, it's paraphrasing this man, right. you know, who's this driver. So, you know, you, it kind of keeps it okay. But, uh, and I think that's, that's what we're talking about right now, which is... Uh, which is what was in the book as well, which is uh, the, the Chinese dragon, mm -hmm. the Indian tiger, economically speaking, yeah. and, and the West, as it were, the dominant power in our times. And, and what does it mean? The brown-skinned man, the yellow-skinned man, if you think about... Um, that's us. Yes, that not, that's not only us, but that also, I think, represents people who used to have a lack of opportunity. Yeah. And so kind of like the way that I think about opportunity and the rise of the white tiger, one of the reasons why I even started this, uh, our, the company that I started in India is that I believe that we have been living in this age of excess. And as we shift from an age of excess to efficiency, that that actually opens up opportunity for the world. That too much in the past, opportunity belonged to people who owned resources, who controlled opportunity. And so to some degree, they were like l legacy inheritors. The landlords. Yes, the landlords. Yes, the the landlords. And, and so they were the gatekeepers of opportunity. But now I think that the way that I think about that quote is that um, in a global world with communication that is so easy to access, that opportunity will flow to other parts of the world. And I do think that when we think about India, and I'd love to get your perspective on this because, you know, while I've been, you know, kind of staying in India for the past few years, you know, my sense is, is that there, that India will become the next big superpower or, or to your point on becoming, it's now at this critical juncture where India could become the next United States. Or it could, if, if things don't go right, it, it, it could not achieve its potential. So 
I don't know, it, when you think about the opportunity for people in India or opportunity with India and just the general notion of global opportunity, what do you think? Sure. Hmm. Well, I mean, it is the fastest growing economy, you know, I think this year and the next five years are now that China has taken a backseat, relatively speaking. So that's economic, you know, fact. Right. Um, it also has 1.4 billion people. And uh, so it is an inevitable pretty much just on, I think the only thing that could potentially derail it really is climate change because mm. that's such a massive area. Uh, and uh, we'll see what's happening. You know, everybody reads everything, you know. Um, I think that, that would be the biggest caveat for me. But other than that, yeah, things seem to be moving along well. I mean, in terms of opportunity, Education still has such a long way to go, but it is true, like you were saying, that today you can, uh, you know, learn so much from from YouTube. Um, I just think, uh, honestly, structurally, um, you know, um, there there is still a lot of work to be done. Um, I think malnutrition, I think, is a big thing, which affects your your capabilities. You right. know, uh, to right. You know, and you can't, it'll be tough to be the white tiger with, with malnutrition. Right. But uh, that aside, on a, on a pure uh, entrepreneurial thing, it de definitely, um, and it has happened in the last 10 years with a venture capital flowing into India, um, you know, from all over the world and some companies in India as well, um, that the old <clears throat> gates have been dismantled in massive ways. Um, I love that. I love I love the the the, the democratic nature of, of 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 the VC and angel ecosystem. Uh, the fact that um, with strings, but still st compared to twenty thirty, compared to when I started, <laughs> uh, you know, like a long time back, and you had to take a loan, which is a very complicated thing and a very painful thing because the interest rates was 12% or something like that. Uh, and even now it's like nine and a half percent. So it's, it's insane. Like it's right. murderous basically uh, to try to build something with that. So there's no question about it that the the nature of, of capital today um, in India and all over the world has a capital along with uh, access, um, education, the internet, is a massive game changer, uh, along with the payment system, the gateways that we have in India as well. Right. Um, 100% it's going to change a lot of things, yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, one quote from the movie that I think a lot about is the quote, rich men are born with opportunities they can waste. Mm. And so I feel like there, like there has never been a greater moment in time with opportunities for so many people. I also understand that in order for India to leverage its potential and to tap into that opportunity, I do think there does need to be some infrastructural issues that get addressed with nutrition right. and things like that right. and access to education, because while education is, you know, for the most part free on the internet, those people in India need to get access to the internet. They need access to ed education. They need somebody to help train them. And so with advanced- And opportunities after they learn. 
right. because you need a degree which is different from what you've learned on the internet and not everyone can be or do you like need a degree, degree? Like to get a job you do i mean to be an entrepreneur you don't need a degree for sure you don't need anything uh, a great quote from the book is that um, he says your excellency um half-baked men are not fully you know um mbas go and work for other people but half-baked men like me become entrepreneurs basically right. But it, but that's nice, very nice in the book. But it's 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 hard still. But 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 you are right. It's always been hard, but it is easier today for sure. So has there been progress? Hundred percent, and I think it'll continue to to be for sure. So I think you're right in saying there's never been a better time. Maybe in five years it'll be probably a better time than it is today as well. Right. But as of today, this is the best time there's been sure. to be um, an entrepreneur in India, without a doubt much better than when I was starting my journey, for example. Yeah, and we just see such a massive growth in the middle class in India, right, which is leading to some of these companies really tapping into um, massive uh, opportunities to commercialize products. And, you know, so me coming from the gaming industry, uh, a lot of people don't realize how much money some of these games like mm -hmm. PUBG and Greener Free Fire made just out of India, and it's massive. Yeah, uh, yeah. You were saying no. I agree with you. Um, I think you just have to find the right way to, you know, you have to, you have to find a need that that people uh, are willing to pay for. Right. And and that's how you unlock it. Right. And I I would hope that one thing that I would love for our audience, especially if there's anyone from India watching, is that in my opinion, like. One of the things I've learned over my career is that there are certain, certain moments in time that are more valuable or asymmetric in terms of like cost to gain. And I think this is a moment in time where India is, is um, growing so rapidly and opportunities are exploding so quickly that the people who take advantage of the opportunities in India today and it's still a little bit early, but this is where it's really starting to gain traction right now. We'll have um, a dramatically greater asymmetric return to the time that they invest now than they will at other moments in time, in my opinion. Um, so I would hope that people don't live with regret in the future. Like when they think about their lives and when they think about entrepreneurial opportunities, that they realize like if you are in India and if you know that audience and you see this huge growth in the middle class and you see huge growth in GDP, that this is the time where the next huge companies, whether it's the next, you know, Microsoft or the next Tesla or the next big companies can be coming out of India. And that's what I personally hope to see out of, out of India, given that it is in this kind of early massive growth stage. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, <laughs> um, Are you skeptical or? Uh, Microsoft, I cannot see in India. Okay. Um, uh, those, those four or five, you know, mamas, very tough. Um, Microsoft, Alphabet, Apple, Google, Amazon, mm -hmm. they just have s such a massive uh, advantage over e everyone else. And, 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 and I think with AI as well, it's going to double down. Yeah, we'll have to see 
if the if the uh, value is uh, one is one is the there's two things in this one is that the market size of course it'll grow yeah. three trillion dollar economy now it'll go it'll, it's going to grow for sure yeah. it'll go to five it'll yeah. it'll it'll be it's number five now it'll go to four three two yeah uh, and then it'll be the us and china left yeah. it'll be you know we're going to germany's next i think so that that will happen in five ten twenty years but the question more what we're saying is how much value will be accreted to indian companies or not i'm sure a large percentage will be um especially in like infra and and other areas but since we're specifically talking about tech that's where my question comes in otherwise it's I'm, yeah I'm, well you know I, that's that's the really right it's a very I think, narrow area in the whole thing yeah and i i think another another example that i think about is that because i don't think we're there right but, but, now but yeah you're exactly and, and to your point like like china took a long time and then they're for they're the forefront of making mobile games now as you know right and also if you think back like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when we look at the semiconductor industry, Intel and AMD dominated the yeah, market. Yeah. Now, what it's going to take is a new class of products or a new wave of innovation. But if India could, and so just going back to the semiconductor example, today, who is the biggest semiconductor company out there? It's yep. NVIDIA. Yep. They dominate. They are like Intel and AMD are nothing. The Intel is finished. Intel is like Ericsson. Right. So what I'm saying is Nokia. that going back to the, get shot. the new age of the brown skin man and the yellow skin man, I, I can see a There scenario. is no reason, you're right, there is no reason for the way that um, um, Korea did it, Taiwan did it, uh, China did it to yes. a later level. Yes. And now it's it the brown skin man's turn. It can do it. And the brown skin man better get up. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and get to work, man. No, I agree with you. There's no reason as education is going up, exposure is going up, Indians running everything but in the world. But it is, it is in that state of becoming. Yes, yes. And There's so, no reason for it not to happen, but it's not happened yet. Yes. And it's been happening for a while, exactly. Right. So, which is why I'm a bit like, me, 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 me. <laughs> but right. yeah, you're right. It, it damn well happened, yeah. Okay. And, and like you said, in the gaming space, there are companies who are innovating Really, really good stuff in the gaming. There's a, there's a company that sold two years ago. And the other aspect of that is this notion of excess. I do think, if I'm being honest, I'm going to get some hate. I've already gotten some hate before. The West in general... Don't hate me. The, the West in general has kind of lost a little bit of its edge, right? We've lived in a zero interest rate environment. It's not like the Chinese are really... They're going hard. Mm -hmm. So I think to the extent that if... India is able to, uh, you know, make good policies, um, build great infrastructure to provide opportunities for its people, and if if India can get that that same work ethic that pervaded Silicon Valley's not today, things are different. And Silicon Valley is not the same today as it was in like the 1990s mm. and early 2000s. But if we can build that culture in India then I think that's what makes India the next white yeah, tiger of countries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a, it is a, yeah. I mean, ultimately it's all people, people do everything. Um, I, I do see in the last 20 years, uh, more in the last 10 years, shifts toward that with, and you see it as well. I know in the, in the, the, the founder VC ecosystem, um, 
and there are a lot of hungry people in in india definitely so yeah it should happen yeah we have to make it happen you and me let's do it that, that, that's what we're here for <laughs> all right so maybe with that Mukul, thank you thank very you. much for thank your you. time it was awesome talking to you thank you joseph and for our audience we'll catch you next time thank you